Macworld Podcast number 305, Special Edition, for Monday, June 11th, 2012. Hello again, friends. Welcome to the Macworld Podcast. I'm Philip Michaels. I'm your host for today. And what a day it's been in the world of Macs and iPhones and iPads. It's the first day of the Worldwide Developer Conference 2012. Apple held a keynote. They announced, um, I think it's safe to say, virtually every product that they could announce. No more products could be squeezed into that, that, that keynote. Here to talk about it are the three people who attended the keynote for Macworld. We have Editorial Director Jason Snell. Hi, Phil. We have Senior Editor Dan Frakes. Hey, Phil. And we have another Dan, also a Senior Editor. Huzzah. Dan Morin. Hi, Phil. Hi, how are you all? Uh, you know, tired. Overwhelmed. Overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Well, let's, um, let's try and... Ha- I mean, happy to be here. <laughs> let's try and boil this ocean, then. Let's uh, talk about all the, uh, all the products that were announced today, and let's start, I think, with the hardware, since that, I think that sort of was the, the, the marquee, the, 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 the big news. If, if Apple, it was good enough for Apple to start with it. Why not? Okay. Us? Well, and then the interesting thing about that, just to say really quickly, before they got to the hardware, they kind of did something unusual, which is they laid out everything right. they were going to talk about. So there are no surprises, no one other right. thing, no. Which was which is interesting, and you know, I guess you, if you felt like it, you could chalk that up to Tim Cook's influence, but. Uh, it was kind of, I don't know, in some ways it was kind of nice. I mean, some people might call it a little underwhelming, but eh, gave you reasonable expectations. Yeah. So, since you were expecting there to be news about uh, laptops, as Tim Cook told you right at the beginning. <laughs> it's very nice of him. Um, what is the big takeaway from the from the MacBook Pro and MacBook Air announcements from Monday? Well, there, I mean, there was a lot. Um including the oddity of having the existing MacBook Pro 13 and 15 getting an upgrade, but then separately a new MacBook Pro also being introduced, a 15-inch. So that was a little bit weird that we have the existing MacBook Pro and the next-generation MacBook Pro. It's like the future has arrived today, but the present is also still here. Well, let me... Maybe I can interpret that, having not been in the room, but maybe that's Apple saying, look, we're not really sure if this this retina display is for everybody. Our current MacBook Pro lineup is is perfectly acceptable for some users, and um, adding things like faster processors and the the ivy bridge processors the the usb 3.0 port uh that's enough for them but for our other users who want the 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 more powerful graphics they're gonna want to pay the higher price for this in in some way the old macbook pros have become you know the MacBook almost, yeah. and then the new one is kind of more the more pro-ish one. I mean, not that the 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 current MacBook Pros aren't you know hardy machines in their own right, but it's there's a certain amount of envelope pushing here, saying we we're getting here eventually. This is sort of the goal, right. but right now we can't for whatever reason or choose not to bring that to all of our computers. I think, and perhaps in part because it would probably be very expensive yeah. if they only yeah. had that as an option. Well. Well, Jason and I were talking earlier that this felt like the new MacBook Pro with Retina Display, which I guess is the official name. Uh, is, <laughs> okay, uh, thanks, thanks, Apple. 
<laughs> is it, it feels a little like a technology demonstration, like the first MacBook Air, where we, they said, okay, yeah. look. It's exactly We it. have redone the entire thing. And they even said up there, look, when you start from scratch, you can get rid of legacy stuff that you don't really need. You don't have to worry about that. And by that, they're meaning optical drives and things right. like but that. But those are still there. If you need right, that, right. you can still buy a, right. rel- a current MacBook Pro right. with them. And they're saying this is the future. Thin, really thin SSDs, no optical drives, retina displays, a little more expensive. And eventually, once you know they can bring the cost down, I think this is going to find its way to all the models. It's exactly the MacBook Air, really. Yeah. That, that, yeah. that original MacBook Air cost a lot of money. It was more than $2,000. It wasn't practical for it to replace anything in the product line because it was way too expensive and it was just too limited. And then within a couple of years, they really kind of turned on that product and it became a hit. And that's what we're seeing is a product that is not, you know, if Apple just killed the existing MacBook Pros and only had a $2,000 plus system with SSD only and no optical, that would be a bloody murder. Yeah. It's the the MacBook Air Pro, you might say. (laughs) You might say, but I mean, but Apple wouldn't. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's right. They would definitely come no, up with a and, far and more shares, succinct product. And it shares product. many like traits MacBook, with the MacBook Air because yeah. it is SSD and no optical well, drive. So this is essentially, if, if this isn't the 15-inch MacBook Air, but it is. Well, this I mean, look at what it. The, that basically, is. the product line is now closing in from two sides. You've got the Air on the under end and the new MacBook Pro on the top, and they're starting to squeeze out the right. MacBook Pros. Yeah, the I'm old amazed that 13-inch Pro is still even there. Well, it's interesting because it's a bookend, right? You go from the 11-inch Air to the 13-inch Air or Pro to the 15-inch old Pro or new Pro, and, of course, the 17-inch Pro, which was entirely MIA today. Well, and it's gone from the... It's, it's listed as out of stock on the site now. Really? It's, not, it's still listed there, but it's out of stock. Hmm. And to, to continue Jason's, uh, Jason's line of thinking, now the MacBook Air is really considered Apple's consumer product, and it's... Well, it's, it's the 999 entry point. It's the 999 entry point. Instead right, of the white MacBook. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Um, could could there also be a, a thought in Apple's mind that you introduce the the MacBook Pro with Retina display gradually because you got to give developers time to sure build apps yeah. that actually take advantage of the of the screen. Yeah, the people using that are going to be spending a lot of time looking at pixel doubled apps right. probably mm-hmm. for the next few weeks at least, probably in the next few months. Well, well, we were just looking at one here today, and Jason has one in the office, and like the New York Times website, all the graphics and logos. All look kind of pixel. Yeah. It's it, kind of like looking. It, it's yeah. the Retina uh, iPad. Right. Same experience there, where the text looks beautiful and the images are not prepared. The web web designers have not oh, been yeah, that's prepared be for really Retina stuff. Really, so that's a process. What 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 is the status of apps uh, right now that Apple talked about uh, at WWDC in terms of what's being updated now? And and I assume that uh, this week at WWDC behind closed doors, they're going to talk to developers about what they have to do to make things look pretty on the new laptop. Well, they mentioned that Lion itself has been upgraded for those machines. Mm-hmm. And and the built-in apps, Mail, Safari, iMovie, iPhoto. Preview, um, I think. Preview. Even, yeah. They released the new versions of Aperture and Final Cut Pro 10 today that are updated. And then what did they mention that um, a few third-party apps, they, 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 made the, they gave me the impression that they're not fully updated, but they're in the process of, like, well, like Photoshop, Photoshop and, and, and uh, AutoCAD. Yeah. And what was the game? Uh, uh, Diablo, yeah, Diablo 3. Diablo 3, yeah. yeah. All of which are, you know, obviously very popular titles, and they, Apple likes to do that and work with people to sort of showcase, here, look how awesome your app will look once you take advantage of all these nifty new technologies we're offering. Yeah, so I think that'll be a process. I, I'm not sure whether that's the reason why this product is where it is, but certainly this is the beginning of a process that will lead to every Mac app that's been updated 
you know, recently that's currently being maintained, being upgraded to be retina ready. But, you know, all the Apple stuff seems to be there now, you know, which is great. Right. Anything to talk about on the MacBook Air front with the changes that Apple introduced there? Um, USB 3, uh, the Ivy Bridge processor. Well, the USB 3 thing, I think a lot of people have been waiting for for a while, mm-hmm. and it's still been in its infancy on the PC side. Um, but I think there were some people wondering when Apple would make that move, just given on how quickly they switched to USB only as their, you know, they've been using USB pretty much only since the original iMac, more or less, you know. And so having USB 3.0 on there finally is is a really nice opportunity to get a, you know, update their their peripheral connections to the high speed and to get in a dig at their competitors while they're at it about having separate USB 2.0 and 3.0 right. ports. Um and that, and between that and you know, sort of Thunderbolt, we have a machine which has very, very current, very powerful uh, connectivity on it, and that's uh, that's a pretty big move for that. And th- I mean, the Air is a great machine already, and I think it's uh, these these updates are more or less incremental, but they're they're keeping uh, Apple, you know, with a foothold of saying this is this is the product we're working on. Uh, we still consider it, you know, modern and up to date. Well, as somebody who uses an Air, I think the big thing for me. Uh, the big thing for a lot of users is that it now starts with four gigabytes of RAM yeah. and two gigabytes was doable. Okay. I mean, I've the one I've been book air I've been using for a couple of years is two gigabytes, but it's, it, you can tell that it's choking sometimes and four gigabytes I think is really what it should have been a year ago. So I mean, it's good to see that. Yeah. I think there. they're moving to that as the baseline yeah. across the board yeah. and that's probably within the next year or two. That's going to be standard. And there were a few hardware updates they didn't talk about during the keynote. Uh, uh, a new v- version of the Airport Express, right? Uh, that got some good upgrades too, because now it, tell, tell us about that, sure. Dan. What? Sure. How are they good upgrades? Well, it's the same price. Uh, the one thing that I start out by saying a lot of people are disappointed is that it no longer has the wall plug design, where you can just stick it right in a plug. It actually looks more like an Apple TV, a white Apple TV. So you've still got a, a power cable now. Uh, but, well, and interestingly, it still costs the same amount as an Apple TV too. Right, right. But but it's 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 now a, a fully featured base station. It's got two Ethernet ports, so you can actually have one coming from your wire or from your um, cable modem or DSL modem, and another going out to the rest of your network. So it can actually serve as a as a wired switch or router as well. Um, it can handle up to fifty computers, whereas the old one used to only be able to handle ten. Uh, but we haven't got one in house, so we don't know if it has other features like the old one, like the profiles and things like that right. to, that would make it good for travel. But um, it can, for a lot of people, I think, take the place of an Airport Extreme, which you know is still over $200, right? 180 or 200 Yeah. Yeah. It's, a, it's an interesting-looking thing, and I, I, I'm very interested about how the positioning against the Apple TV in some ways because it is a base station, but at the same time, it still has the audio streaming capabilities right. and... That's a, it's a very interesting little niche product, and it's one that hasn't been updated in a really long time. Right. Oh, and it can do dual band. You can have dual networks now. So you can have one 5 gigahertz and one 2.4 gigahertz at the same time. So your iPhones and your iPads and can, can do 5 gigahertz, and your older Macs can do the slower network. Speaking, speaking of things that haven't been updated in a <laughs> I really long time. There. Yes. Good segue, Dan. The, the, yes. the Mac Pro. The Mac Pro. Which, Anyone want to say a few words about the Mac Pro, what? which would be, by definition, a few more words than Apple actually said about yeah, it Yeah, well, and I will try to leave out any, you know, expletives, but it's a weird update, right? Because they, they updated the processors. It's up to what? It's 8-core? 
12 core? I don't know. It was an insane number of cores. And yet they didn't upgrade the USB or give a Thunderbolt port, which seems very odd for a computer that is targeted at the pro level. It's the most advanced Mac in theory, but it's the most behind out of all the Macs now. What a strange move. I mean, that one, I'm I'm having trouble fathoming exactly why I would do that. I saw somebody on Twitter speculate that um, they're using using, uh, electronics from Intel that are not... It's it's like an old motherboard, and it doesn't have um, Lightpeak. It doesn't have Thunderbolt on it. And, you know, they could have... It's it's weird. It is really like it feels almost as if they were running out of the old processors, so they had to switch. <laughs> right. But that was because they don't make the the old ones right, anymore. Right, right. But they're not. But they're not going to do anything new. The product, and they're not. No. Going and to... David Pogue um, posted a blog post uh, this afternoon that suggested when he asked the Apple executives about the iMac and the Mac Pro that they said, "Oh, we'll be updating those, you know, later." So maybe that means there is a, a real update. So, there, I, so I this would know, be a stopgap update. Uh, maybe just to keep the ability to ship the product. Right, mm-hmm. right. Just because, it, yeah. you know, they... I, I, seriously, I wonder if they just... Those Xeons they were using in the Mac Pro, Intel's like, we don't want to make these anymore. Sure. Stop buying these. We have a lovely new one for you to buy instead. Half off <laughs> if you order now. Well... Well, that, that, that'll be a great, great slogan for the marketing campaign. It'll do till the real update yeah. comes along. Yeah. Hey, institutional purchasers, mm-hmm. it's still on the price list. Yes. Yeah, well, it's making still up available. stirring like words. 1% from... of, I think, the systems they sell, roughly. Yeah. Um, we have uh, uh, Thunderbolt cables that got announced today and MagSafe 2. I, I oh, think we gosh. can just... Another power connector? <laughs> I think we can just refer readers to the, the stories that are on Macworld.com uh, rather than really go into great detail on the cables unless unless someone is moved to talk about cables. The original is always better than the sequel. Yes. Well, I will say the one thing about the MagSafe 2 thing that got me was that they went back to the, I thought, worst design for the power plug, which is the new errors. They have that sort of L-shaped plug. Which yes. is nice because it doesn't yank on the cable. And then they went back to the old version where it, where just it sticks, sort of sticks out, out, which means it's always going to have a curve yeah. on it, which means there's yeah. always going to be a tug, which means that cable is going to fray. Yeah. And even though the, it, it's a, got a little more padding on the end of it than the old one does, it's. I agree. I think it's a it's mistake. Sort of a weird misstep, yeah. 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 Well, I will say, you know, these, these Thunderbolt cables is that when Apple introduced Thunderbolt, they said, oh, and there's going to be all of these adapters and cables and everything out. And it's like... It's well, for like, six months, they were the only one who sold like a right, cable at all, right? It's almost like they said, all right, fine. If you're not going to do it here, here's a Firewire cable. Here's a gigabit Ethernet cable. Well, they know that they've got customers who are going to say, hey, you stole my Ethernet and my Firewire away. I hate you. And so they're like, all right, we got it. We got it covered. And I'm as somebody who's got a, a MacBook Air with Thunderbolt mm-hmm. on it, I think that's, yeah, that's nice. exciting for me, too, that I yeah. can get that and I can get Firewire right on my, on mm-hmm. my Air. Just with yeah. that little dongle. That's that's cool. That's a good thing. So, podcast listeners, if you were wondering if we could get people to talk about cables for a few <laughs> yeah. uh, minute or two, uh, the answer not, is yes. Not a problem. Yeah. Yeah. Podcast Especially MagSafe. Uh, although, let me tell you, Apple recently has done a very good job of not they, – they've been settling down with their ports, like not doing too much. And I feel like we're now in this – a new era of them screwing everything up. So with the, with, with MagSafe 2, you're now going to have, you know, I've got a MacBook Air. Oh, but yours is the 2012 model. It won't work with the power adapters from 2011 and 2010 and 2009. Uh, you know, things that it's look almost, the, uh, almost identical. back to the classic books and stuff where you had all those different 
Yeah. Cables. So, so yeah. all IT people are going to have to get another round of mm-hmm. of uh, of power plugs. They'll probably buy a box of those nine dollar MagSafe one to MagSafe two connectors, and because they'll be lost constantly. And it's just you know I understand why they did it. Is that the you know the current MagSafe MagSafe one doesn't fit in the the with the thickness of the new MacBook Pro. So I, I get it. It's just that you know it's a totally different shape. They do not they do not fit. They you know they're not compatible without that adapter. And so yeah, so Something's it's just gotta give, it's just right? na- you know it's nothing like going somewhere to give a presentation, realizing you need a cable, and they're like, oh yeah, I've got a I've got a cable for you. It works with the Mac, and then you realize, oh, but I have the different one. So yeah. you know that it's it's disappointing. I understand why they did it, but it's you know it's a mess. So everybody's gonna have to go get for, one of those little nine dollar things and carry it around. For a company that them. spends so much attention to detail, like to the point of making asymmetrical fan blades. On yes, there, with it seems a big really cheer weird. from the engineers in the audience. Yeah, those people were psyched. You are listening to Cable Talk on the <laughs> Macworld Podcast Network. Hey, who doesn't love cables, Phil? I would think quite a few people. Oh. Let's talk uh, operating systems. Let's start with Mountain Lion. We now know when summer is, according to and Apple. Summer comes in July. Summer arrives in July, <laughs> and so does Mountain Lion. And summer will cost you $20, or so I hear. That's a pretty good bargain for, for summer. For summer. Right. Yeah. Amortized over three months. And that's actually less than what uh, Lion cost yeah, last and al- year. Yeah, and already people are... Asking about how come? Well, why are they still charging thirty dollars for Lion? You can't please. You can't some please some people. Some people would complain if you hung them with new MagSafe two cables. <laughs> so now, how, how does that work? You upgrade to Lion and then upgrade to Mountain? Well, no, Lion? because no, you it, can come from Snow Leopard Snow too. Leopard. They said so. So, so, you, so there's no, no reason, reason to buy, to buy Lion. Lion. No, Lion no. is like at this point, unless you really need it for something, right. it's basically seems like it's deprecated to me. All right, so down with Lion. Yeah, if you're yeah, if you were going to buy Lion this week. Don't. don't yeah, um, and if you're going to buy a new computer, you'll you get, get Mountain Lion for, Mountain Lion free, for free, which is a, a nice touch. I mean, Apple's done right. something like that for a while in terms of right. if you buy it within, say, like a two week window. They used to do, I think, the Mac OS ten up to date, right? Yeah, but right. now they've sort of expanded it because obviously it doesn't come out for another month. Well, it's it's been at different times, either two weeks or a month. So, at, at, at any rate, what they've always done in the past is that when they've announced a new version of the OS, and you've bought if you buy a Mac after they announce a new version, right. a new release date. Then you get the new one for free. Right. So that's kind of the general rule. Um, so other than that, though, a lot of what we saw in Mountain Lion, with the exception of a couple things, we already saw back in February when we first took a let it look at it when when Apple let it out of the bag. Um, so there were all, there were a that. couple new things. Right. I think right. the, the one right. that got me was PowerNap. Yeah. Tell well, me about power nap. What who, an interesting feature! I would love to tell you about power nap. Who doesn't love naps? Who doesn't love naps? Your computer, as it turns out, doesn't really love naps because it's actually working during its nap now. Uh, it doesn't actually go to sleep. So when you put your computer, you know, you close your computer and your laptop, specifically it, your it, MacBook Air, no, no, no second it's, generation. It's, no, that was actually the, the Apple's updated that. So it's any Mac laptop with an SSD. Yeah, it's because it's because you don't have to spin up the hard right, drive. Right. So what it does is when you put your Mac to sleep. Um, it continues doing things in the background, which is to say it's, you know, it's getting your mail, updating your calendar information, backing up to Time Machine, downloading system software updates and app updates from the App Store. Photo stream. Photo stream, yeah, updating your photo stream so that when you do update, you know, open your computer up, all your information is already there. You don't have to wait for it to sort of fetch. Um, 
which is a really interesting concept and very similar, obviously, to what they've done with, with iOS devices in terms of, you know, you plug in your iOS device at night and it backs up and syncs with iTunes and you get all your stuff down there. But there's some, there's some interesting questions about how they're accomplishing that. I've heard some theories. So, in about, fact, I have a little bit more information that I can share about this from my do, conversation Jason. with people who are Apple executives. <laughs> wow. I, yes, this so just these is. are better than my theories, is what you're saying. I got crackpot theories about this. Just in UFOs. Sources are telling this reporter. So, so unplugged will do things like check your mail and receive push notifications, and actually do find my Mac. So that if you put your Mac under your couch somewhere, you're like, where is it? You could actually or someone takes it. Find my Mac, or someone takes it. Come on, let's be let's be go negative there. Well, I'm saying that that's nice before because previously you had to wait for them to then turn it on for it to connect to your network. Yeah. So when when it's power napping, that's the case. Um, It uh, when it's plugged in, it will download app updates and system updates and do time machine backups. So when it's plugged in, it does more because then it knows it's not going to drain the battery. But when it is not plugged in it, it behaves very much like an ipad yeah, or an iphone yeah. where it will do some stuff in the background and all the while they say you know the fan doesn't spin and the light doesn't right. come on it's right. all ha- doing it just just like how i mean as a mac user it seems weird but as a you know a, an ipad user my right, ipad right. is downloading push notifications and email in the background all the time when it's asleep now I mean, that you don't have that a big hard drive is the key right thing. and this right. only works on macs with um with ssd only so it's the it's the last couple macbook air generation Generations. And it's anything you bought to only with laptops and right. and right, well, it's the last yeah. couple of MacBook yeah. Air generations and the new MacBook Pro. Right. That's it for now. But presumably, this will eventually be everything. Yeah, right. Yeah, which is it's an it's an interesting idea. It's one that makes a lot of sense. Um, it sort of in some ways strikes me as a continuation of the Lion features like Resume. You know, where it's they want to eliminate, they want to just make it transparent, right? You don't want to open up your computer. And yeah, it looks like it's usable, but then you have to wait a minute for all your new stuff to download and for it to be responsive and all that. So they're trying to make it even faster to just sort of flip open and you can go. Right. And and this is really it furthers a theme that they went along they they presented today about just having instant access to everything up to date. Another big feature they talked about in Mountain Lion was the um, was iCloud or excuse me, documents in the cloud, right? right? Which again was you make a change on your iPhone and it's instantly reflected on your Macs and your iPad and everything else and vice versa. And so Apple's really trying to get at this whole, everything's always in sync everywhere and you don't have to worry about it. And I, I mean, who knows how well it's going to actually work. Well, I enjoyed watching the demo where I think Craig Federighi's heart sp- skipped a beat while he changed the thing on his phone right. and then waited a second, please he let it, it right. change on the Mac. Okay. Right. He had, he had opened, for those listening along who didn't see this, he had opened a, a Pages document on the Mac and then he went to his iPhone and opened it on the iPhone, made a change to one of the photos, and then a few seconds later it immediate, I mean, it automatically showed up on the Mac as well. Well, this is interesting because we first heard about Documents in the Cloud last year right. when it was announced, when iCloud was announced, um, but we didn't really get we got sort of a a version for ios where if you had pages on your ipad and your iphone you could sync it but it didn't talk to the mac version so we're finally getting support for that on the mountain line side which is really nice but there are a lot of questions i think still about how well this handles things like syncing like in that scenario where you change something on one of your devices and it updates on the other one what happens if you want to take that change back or what happens if you end up with conflicting ver- like you know that's the big question with sync is always how good is it at figuring out which change i want to keep and you know this is, seems like it's very much 
it's a bit of a different approach from what Dropbox does, but it fills a very similar niche in many ways. Um, and Dropbox, I think, has become for a lot of people sort of the gold standard for this kind of file synchronization. So it's interesting to see if Apple thinks their solution, you know, is really going to take it a step further. And they do something interesting that they basically replaced your open dialog box with your document library. So it looks a little more iOS-like when you go to open a file. Um, but it's a, it's a it's a little more of what we were promised, and so they finally are starting to deliver on that in Mountain Lion. The other uh, new feature that was sort of showcased today, or at least uh, demonstrated, uh, was the dictation yes. system mm-hmm. with dictation. Yes. Yeah, so just as we've got in the iPhone 4s and uh, and the iPad, um, we the the I guess third generation iPad, the Ma- Max running Mountain Line will now you can dictate text into anything, and the way it works by default is you double tap the function key, and then you talk, and wow. that's it. And it it does it uses the same transcription technology, which is uh, on the back end of the of the iOS stuff. And you know, it, I was talking to somebody who said, "Boy, it's got to be tough for the you know Max Beach uh, people." Except it's not because I believe it's their engine on the back end. It's just it's it, nuance, nuance. So yeah. I, I believe mm-hmm. it's basically integrated in. Uh, every, to everyone's who have again been now. sort of the like big purveyors yeah. of of that speech recognition stuff, which yeah. is so you get a fundamental like a basic level of speech recognition dictation for free. I was wondering how that works with the existing speech recognition stuff that's been in there forever. In terms of, I don't know, that it just seems like interesting. You could pretty much talk to your computer almost entirely hands some, free. Some of us already do. I mean, <laughs> it doesn't usually do anything no. when I talk to it, but no, it really doesn't <laughs> right. at all. Hello, computer. I've heard you talk to your computer, Phil. I think talking is a gentle. <laughs> <laughs> I, and it's basically anywhere you can type, you can. Type. Anywhere you've got that blinky cursor. Right. It requires an internet connection, though, correct? Yes. Yeah. Yes, because that's what And it uses. will third party apps be supported out of the box? Yes. yes. Anything that's got a blinky cursor. Well, my web goodness. Pages too, right? They said you could, yeah. t- you could go to your Facebook page and dictate your Facebook status in there. If only blinky it were cursor. July now and we <laughs> yeah. could all download it. Um, any other stuff that you saw demonstrated with, the, the, with Mountain Lion that, uh, uh, you know, you might have read about it before or heard about it before, but it really drove home the feature for you to, to see it live up there on the stage. Well, they talked a little bit about the notification center, and that seems to have undergone a, a few smaller refinements right. since the first introduction. They now have this uh, ability to mute your notifications for uh, you know a specific amount of time. And a really nice touch, which was that, right. that if was, you connect it to a projector, yeah. it will automatically sort of mute your notifications so you don't start getting you know alerts popping up. Yeah, that's a very Apple-like approach. That's a nice, that's that's a the nice kind of touch Apple detail. does, right. Um, and they also integrated uh, ability to post to Twitter and Facebook right from inside Notification Center. And they've sort of built that account support more in depth into the OS, which is... Which is very interesting, although it's, you know, it's strange to me because you know, they, they talked about integration in terms of notifications, so you can get, like, your direct messages and stuff via the notification center, and you can post. There's really no facility for reading. They seem to be, like, still pushing you towards the web, essentially, but um, it seems to have made it a lot, it permeates a lot more of the OS than it did before. So why show off just one operating system? <laughs> When you can demonstrate two. If if you have two, you might as well show them off. So it's iOS 6 we were shown today for the first time. Any big surprises? Any uh, (laughs) 
any shocking things with with uh, what Apple showed off, or was it pretty much well? This is where the operating system was obviously headed. A lot of the stuff was what was rumored, but what's interesting is always the implementation and the details. So, for example, the big thing which they sort of kept towards the end of it was maps and. I think, you know, this is one of those cases where where there's smoke, there's fire, and we had been hearing constantly about all these things that Apple was doing maps and the fact that they had bought all these mapping companies yep. and they talked about doing traffic stuff. I mean, they've been building this maps database for mm-hmm. years now well, in preparation for Pretty this. much for, you know, being able to, when getting ready to cut the tie with Google and say, yeah. we're going to do this on their own. Because they couldn't afford to have such a major part of the function. Mapping is so important has become so important to what you do with your phone and what you do with your iPad that they could not afford to have that in the hands of a major competitor at this point. So the implementation, the implementation details and um, were very interesting in terms of you know raising the bar and bringing it not only to meet Android and what Android has been doing for a long time, but in some ways to try and leapfrog it. Um, especially after you know Google itself just showed off new map yeah. stuff that's a lot of which is very similar um, the other week we've got apparently there are now roving armies of helicopters and planes <laughs> flying over <laughs> us at all times well you know I thought it was interesting that Apple a lot of times when they introduce new features like this they introduce a basic version and then they refine it and add features over time but I think because Google Maps was on the phone already and was pretty good I think they felt like okay if we're going to get rid of Google Maps we've got to do something that's a lot better. We've right. got to do something this is really ground up, right? Gr- they, right. They started yeah. from scratch. Really, yeah, is a significant feature that people are not. It's, people are going to say, "I don't miss Google Maps at all," right? right? And granted, we've only seen the demo on stage, but it looked really good. And, yeah, and the, the amount of stuff that they have to replace there is not inconsiderable in terms of not just mapping, but they talked about the integration with local business searches, right? Which is a again. You know, if you have Google access to Google's database, Google has a very extensive database, and you can just sort of piggyback on that. But if you're taking away your connections to Google, you got to find something else to supplant that, so that people don't get in that situation where they feel like, oh, the old Maps app, let me do this. So having the ability to tie into Yelp, it seems now, right. has become Yelp. a huge mm-hmm. part of yeah. that. And they're and they're a major partner in a lot of places that we saw. Um, yeah, they're in Siri too, right? And so, but on the map side, like having all that information, and then the ability to do turn by turn, and the ability to have these three D maps. I don't, I don't know honestly how useful they, they are. Those are very eye catching and very gorgeous, but at the same time, they seem more like a novelty. Yeah, I don't really understand what the utility. Yeah, it might of give you some is. perspective if you're like, you know, is that a, a it's know, cool. is that a hill it's or where, cool, where am I exactly? But yeah, I, I, I'm not so sure. Yeah, you take two. I think it's two fingers and you slide, and it goes from the overhead view to the perspective view. Right, and, and the fact the, that you can it can render basically. Yep. it's it's not a movie. It's all live. You can spin it around and pan through the city. That's all really nifty. I think the more useful stuff is the fact that they've sort of aped Google's Maps in terms of the uh, you know 3D, uh, just the, the normal schematic maps. View so you stuff. not just the satellite oh, view, oh, but the map right, view. Right, you can right. like scroll in and see the buildings, and that's great. When then right. you have the GPS, it makes it look a lot more. You can say, okay, there's that building on the left that I'm driving through. Also, you can. Um it's all vector based, which they right. made a point of saying, and and it does. And Google's map tiles are uh, are image files. I'm not even sure right. if they're JPEGs. They may be like pings or GIFs, even. So um, should be so, faster. So so what happens though is not only so you can rotate it. You can actually use two fingers and, and turn the map mm-hmm. a little bit, or if you've got it in compass mode. And as the map turns. All of the text turn. Yeah. stays yeah, that's cool. readable, yeah. it stays and it doesn't down. have to load it in as tiles because it's not images, right? Well, there, it, it does load sense. in tiles, but they're but they're the tiles are vectors instead right. of of 
uh, images. So it, it looks good. The text is really crisp, and it stays – even when you rotate it, the text stays upright because the text is a label that's placed on the map. It's right. it's uh, pretty cool. Right. Well, and now it also does turn-by-turn directions, which people have been complaining about for a well, long time. Well, that was a huge time. Android yeah. advantage, yeah. right, yeah. as it came with turn-by-turn out of the box. As I was telling Jason before the, uh, the event, I was in Chicago last weekend for a wedding, and my friend has his droid, and we used that for GPS the whole time. And it's one of those things where – you could get the directions on your phone and tap through them on maps, but it was, you know, you you looked at someone using an Android phone, and it was like, wow, yeah. that, that is well, that is un, undeniably way better than I, what Apple had. Well, I, I feel bad for the people who are the app developers who have the GPS apps, but the fact is, got, what's, Apple, what's Apple going to do, right? Yeah. Apple, yeah. Apple needs to compete with Google, Apple and Google has, this, Apple Google has this out-of-the-box experience with with maps and turn by turn and they they have to match it they can't not match that or beat it and what it then becomes up to them to do is say find ways to compete in terms of features they can offer that apple can't i mean that's going to be hard this is the new base level but yeah i'm sure there are i mean i'm sure a lot of those apps they you can add in interim destination points and they've got like integrated database stuff that's way beyond what apple has so there are there are options but it's no longer i need to buy an app to do gps right especially when that app is fifty dollars or something? Yeah, the baseline your, is just yeah. good enough for a lot of people. Yeah. Although it looks like Apple's GPS turn by turn directions require an internet connection to to uh, you know unlike right. say Navigon where you can download all your maps right. and have them on there. Well, that's one of those that's right. one of those ways they can differentiate right. themselves. But Apple has is now going to do this crowdsource traffic data, which that's interesting. As opposed to like Navigon, which say is installed on a total wild guess here, you know. Four or well, five percent. Nav- Navigon uses a service that is in lots of other devices, sure. but I, you got to think that that once so once iPhones millions. are using this system, that right. the iPhones are going to know all the traffic. The traffic everywhere. is going to be I'm so very, much more. I'm accurate. very interested to, yeah. to. I mean, I, I'm sure they're doing really clever things, but I, I'm I'm so fascinated by this system in terms of how it figures out. How am I, you know, that I'm sitting in traffic, that I'm not just parked on the side of that road or sitting in my house or something like that. It's just, it's very, it's a very interesting, complex system. And traffic is a very complex problem to solve, as you know, as any of us who live in big cities know. Blimps. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Airships will fix everything. <laughs> but well, the, the idea of yeah. the, like the fact that it intelligently can reroute you based on traffic, in theory, I will be fascinated to see how that actually yeah. works, especially where I live, where it's. Traffic and routing in Boston is a kind of uh, – it's not a science. Let's put it that way. Well, the other thing he mentioned offhand, which I thought was cool, is that uh, they're going to be able to integrate third-party transit maps too. So, so yeah. you know, a, new, a city that Apple hasn't decided to, you know, integrate can be – added right or pushed it to another pushed, app right. for to the, example right. to the official like right. yeah, rapid transit app for right, your right. location yeah cool. yeah it's sort of like they're punting there but it's nice that they're sort of putting up an ad for the app that you might yeah we won't do transit directions but there's an app that will right. goodbye right. <laughs> but uh yeah it's it's good they look great uh, you know we'll have to see we'll have to put them into actual practice Testing. and see oh and, and my favorite feature of the whole thing is that if there's a second turn coming up right after this one it shows them both you know, every GPS app or standalone GPS I've ever tried, you'll say, take a right here. And then as soon as you take a right, it's like, take a left in 20 meters. Yeah. You know? so, some of them <laughs> you will should do have that. already taken a left. <laughs> yeah, some of them will do that. Recalculating. Recalculating. Yeah, as long exactly. as she never says that, we're good. Yeah. yeah. And it's Siri's voice, of course. Yeah. So. Right. Now, um, and that will be a perfect segue into Siri, I think, but uh, just out of curiosity, with. Uh, 
Apple now handling maps on its own, does that mean that the uh, only real Google-y things on your iPhone are the search bar in Safari and you, the YouTube app? YouTube app, yeah, right. And yeah. And so. Otherwise, otherwise got some links in with, you know, and I, from the store. Gmail and uh, you got links right. in with Gmail and Exchange Account and stuff support. like that. But other than that, yeah, and calendars and stuff like that. But yeah, it seems like it's mostly, it's mostly gone at this point. Yeah. The YouTube app is kind of the lingering... Uh, last guest yeah the well and, and there are a lot of Go- i mean google of course is pushing out its own apps and if they said last week uh you know when they were kind of dodgy about when people when they held their own maps event where people were like well if apple does their maps thing are you still gonna have google maps on the iphone and they you know kept using their boilerplate we're committed to de- you know delivering maps on all platforms that they currently all exist right. on so they may launch their own app that's competitive or they may just beef up the web experience so that it works well on ios but there, it looks like there's going to be some competition there, but it's going to be a lot harder for them to do something when Apple has their built-in advantage. So Siri, Siri is uh, uh, going to be still a beta in iOS six, or uh, getting it sounds they like it's real. That. They right? didn't say beta. They yeah. did not, did they? Well, it's and we we Siri has learned more specifically for the most part about. Other services, right? Siri is a big sports fan. Siri is a, big, Siri's right. a bigger sports fan than I am, which is going to be great. Um, but yeah, so we've got a lot of stuff that was demoed in terms of finding out sports scores and standings, rosters, comparing basketball players' heights, right. which we do on you know daily, daily basis. basis yeah. <laughs> uh, movies. The movie movies? stuff looks cool. Yeah. I think that that was kind of a logical place for them to I, go. I, well, that's one of the things that I always try to use Siri for and always fail at. Right, is, because Google is, already does that you know? for. You can go to Google and put in showtimes from the zip code, and it will give you a bunch of stuff. But it seemed like Siri should be able to do that. Mm-hmm. You got more, more and better Yelp integration, Open yeah, Table integration. Yeah, Open Table too. So you can actually say to Siri, "I'm looking for a sushi restaurant nearby tomorrow night at eight. and it will query Open Table and really? find places with available reservations. Can you just say "Make a reservation"? Will it do that? It, it uh, says it will take you to the Open Table app. You tap yeah. on it, yeah, and right. it will take you to the Open Table right. app. I want Siri and if you're to logged call in, them. you yes. can actually just press the button. Siri places the call. Hello, yeah. this is Dan Morin calling you. <laughs> I would like a table for two. Yeah. And they um, they are letting you launch apps now with Siri, which is a it's big interesting. thing. These kids, today although you still can't say toggle bluetooth or change brightness which is the thing i i've heard the most i don't know about. why not oh maybe you can and they just didn't talk about it but that would, would although it does be nice. look like bluetooth is now a been top elevated level to the top system preference of these system preferences which is nice yes one less tap yeah oh my fingers don't be saved by that no it's it's good it's not what we all were kind of hoping which is more of an api for app yeah. developers to hook into sense, siri though right That'd be, which would be hard to do it's just more data sources it would be I nice i think they might get there but i mean they're they're kind of developing an api but they're building it out very by choice step. in mm-hmm. like you know yes. we're going to make a lot of deals with partners we're going to probably use that information to turn around and figure out how how we could build it because it's, it's a complex problem to build an API that can accept any sort of natural language input and turn it into the specifically parse right. it and turn it into the appropriate query. And there's problems with figuring out what apps handle that. Like if you say, you know, I want to read my Twitter time, read me my Twitter timeline. Does it launch Tweetbot? Does it launch Twitterific? You know, there, there's some issues to figure out there, but it can slowly build out with these, you know, with content partners and that helps refine it as well as bringing us, you know, more and better uh, results. And, and you'll be able to tweet and, and 
page to Facebook. Facebook right because that's all inside the and I was about to say and now you can do it on another device all right the third now, generation iPad now Zoe, Zoe Deschanel can ask her iPad if it's raining or not <laughs> instead of looking out the, the iPad have a different answer it's suspicious mm. do not take me outside <laughs> you will not be able to read my screen in the sunlight <laughs> what what um a bunch of other features they talked about with iOS 6. Uh, uh, let's go around the table and see if any stood out for you guys. Dan Frakes? Uh, as a parent, although I would have liked this a few years ago, um, the um, – what's the name of it? I'm, guided Assist. Guided Assist, yeah. thank you. So, <clears throat> Single they, app mode. So they, they <laughs> Right. They, they pitched yeah. it as a feature that's especially good for kids with autism and that it will let you – for one, like Jason said, put into single app mode where you cannot exit the app. You can't press the home button. You can't switch out. But also, it's got this clever interface where you can circle buttons on the page, and it will then disable them. Yeah, uh, that's so that cool. right, so that you can choose exactly what a kid can do or not do in an app. And uh, but beyond kids with autism, it's just kids in general. I mean, when I remember when my kid was two years old and. Wanted to, we wanted her to be able to play a kid's app, and she would constantly press the home button over and over to the point where oh. we actually put masking tape over the button. Oh, that so, happens all the <laughs> right. time. And yeah. so it, it's going to be a great uh, That's feature That's the downside to that. having one button on a device. Right. Kids know exactly what to hit. It's, it's that ever more tempting, right, because it's only one, right? So that, I think that's going to be good. That's for also parents. that's yeah. also good for klutzy people like myself who listen to their their music and are bip bopping along, and the iPhone's rattling around in the pocket, and then suddenly I've launched eighty eight apps. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to that. Jason, what uh, stood out for you? Uh, two things I think I'll mention. There, there's a lot in iOS mm-hmm. six, but I'm going to mention. I hope none of those two things are something that Dan Warren was going to mention. I got, otherwise, I got two as well. But go ahead, draft. Jason. Yes. What do you? What do you got? All right, with my second pick in uh-huh. the iOS six draft, um, I want to talk about Do Not Disturb, mm-hmm. which is which is huge. I mean, this is a feature that basically you can set a time period, or you can just turn it on. But you can you can say like, this is when I'm going to be asleep, and when the uh, and this is not the same as just flipping the silent switch, although um, it's a little like that. So you can say uh, from you know 11 p.m. to 6 a.m., do not disturb. And at its most basic level, push notifications will come in, but they won't make any noise. And when calls come in, they won't make any noise. Or light up the screen, which or light is up big. the screen really, if you got it like plugged in on a dock on your right. bedside table, right? So what it will let you do is it'll let you set. Uh, the calls that can come in, either your favorites or any other kind of like group in your in your contacts list, these ones let through even if it's the middle of the night. You can do that, um, and and so you can you can get in this situation. Oh, and they've got this funny thing where like if you call and then call back immediately, like it's super urgent, it'll let that go through. Of course, then everybody Everyone's who knows know you've got that, an iPhone yeah. will just call you twice, and then you'll <laughs> yell at them, and then that'll be. But it is nice for you know in cases when you do have you, something and like you can an turn emergency. right, and you right. can turn that feature off yeah. if you need to. So I like this because what right now. If you don't want to be like I've been playing this game um, by our colleague Lex Friedman called Let's Sing, and it has a a very loud guitar riff when somebody makes a move with you. And I have had multiple times at four in the morning. I've had blah blah come. Ah, who you know, is it's playing just, with you at four in the morning? Well, it's somebody who gets up in the East Coast. On the East Coast. Yeah. And who gets up at seven a.m.? I don't East know. Coast. 
Lex's relatives. But so so it's really bad. So then you say, well, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put it on silent, and I'm going to turn you know or turn it down or put it on silent. Well, that's great. Well, what if somebody calls you and you actually need to hear from them? Right. It's well, just a more fine grained way of doing it, which is so, nice. So now, and it's only. It's only for the phone call part. Notifications are just muted. It's just done. You don't get the notifications at all. They're there, but you don't get bugged by them. And then you can let some calls through if you want. Um, That's good. It's just fine-grained control. So I'm a big fan of Do Not Disturb. I'm excited by that. And and, uh, I was going to talk about FaceTime unless you want to talk about it. No, go ahead. FaceTime over 3G. The fact that now you will not be limited to FaceTime over Wi-Fi. And I asked the aforementioned Apple executives what the deal was with that because I've used FaceTime on an iPad tethered to a, an iPhone on sure. a 3G network and it hasn't been a problem. And they said they made a lot of changes to optimize the quality on low bandwidth connections. You're paying for your cellular data, so they wanted to use less bandwidth when the, when they're when they're on there. You're, you're switching between cell towers and stuff, and and that can cause the cell data networks aren't really built for that kind of continuity of right. data flow. They're built for kind of more chunks, so they had to do a lot of work, and and they said actually work with the carriers too to make sure that they felt it was robust enough to be supported. Um, but they they feel that way now so so uh that's i'm really excited about that because i always got frustrated it's like i want to make a facetime call to my to my kids i'm i'm traveling and i just don't have wi-fi so i can't do it well and the other thing about facetime that's great people have been asking for for a while is that apple is now automatically combining your phone number on with your, your phone ID. Yeah, that's nice with your apple id so if you're on your computer your mac at home and someone tries to FaceTime you and your phone number, it comes through. It'll ring on your Mac. It'll ring yeah. on your iPad. Although they did not announce a way to solve that problem of having every single device you ring. Right. I was going to say, every single device you own rings with, at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Let's hope they do it better than iMessages. It's, right? it's the guitar notification writ large with every boing. Yes. Madness. Somebody wants to talk to you everywhere right now. Yes. Yeah, but so those are my two features. Dan Morin. I got a... I gotta, I think three small ones um, uh-huh. because things that are that are nice little things they fixed that I was really really looking forward to. Uh, one, there is now a flagged mailbox in yes. Mail. Thank God, because I would flag all my stuff. You know, I flag my messages and Mail, and I would be, you know, oh, but now I can't find the ones that I flagged because I have to scroll back through all the things. So now you can just have a, like basically a smart mailbox that says right. here's all my flag messages. In addition, they have the VIPs thing, which they announced also for Mountain Lion, which is nice. Um, another small thing, which I think Jason and I both uh, sighed at in relief, was that now you can upload photos in Safari in iOS um, when you're actually using like a file chooser, which was yes. one of my gripes in my uh, work from your iPad piece because it was something that you just could not do. Um, so having that ability is relatively minor in some ways, but it's a it's a big step in sort of a feature parity thing. Um, now it's only for photos, but that's at least you know in the right direction. And you know, given the sort of the way that the uh, file structure works uh, on the iPad, I don't expect it to see expanded much beyond that for the time being. The third one is iCloud Tabs, which is uh, something cool. I really yeah. like in terms of now you have access to. Uh, no matter which of your device you're on, your Mac, your iPhone, your iPad, 
You can get a list of all your tabs that are open on your other devices and open those devices and it'll pick up right where you left off. And I frequently, I've been using reading lists to do that, you know, sort of shuttle items back and forth. Oh, I want to read that on my iPad while I'm sort of walking around the house for a second. Or, you know what, I want to look at that on my Mac because it's a bigger screen. Um, and so... You just want to kind of shoot that thing over to right, the other right. device. And this is an and even easier it. way to yeah. do that. You don't have to go through the step of adding it to your reading list. Go to the reading list on the other device, open it up there. Um, so that's that's a nice little... That's a nice little addition. Yeah. Um, and I think we skipped one big announcement, which was the uh, Passbook. Oh, yes, yeah. Passbook. Which was well, a weird app. Well, since, since everyone did two or three and I did one, I, I, I did oh, one little. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can one. talk about Passbook. So, no, well, I was just actually, I was going to mention the phone <laughs> app. I, I was sitting with, with Rob Griffiths, actually, former Macworld editor, during the keynote. And they said, oh, the phone app. And Rob and I both looked at each other and said, Wait, what can they do to really make the phone better? It's a phone, right? And uh, and they've got this new thing where when an incoming call happens, um, a little button in the corner of the screen that looks kind of like the camera icon on the right. lock screen shows up. Flick that up, and you can do two things. One is you can um, basically reject the call but reply with a text message, either one of your own or a bunch of... They give you pre-gens, which is They nice. give you pre-gens, yeah. like, I'll call you back in a little bit or whatever. Yeah. In and, a meeting. Right, in a meeting. And another on one that says, remind to call back, and you tap that, and it says, when, and you can say, you know, an hour or tomorrow, or when I leave this place, you know, so or say... Or when I get home. Or when I get home. Yeah. And it'll automatically give you a reminder that says, hey, Jason called, call him back. More geofences. Right. So I thought that was kind of a cool and kind of a, an interesting way to, to improve on what we thought was kind of like... The, the, the phone. The, I did. I did. App, I did right? raise an eyebrow when they put the phone icon <laughs> right. up there. Right. It's still a phone. And, and the Passbook app is interesting because it basically stores your uh, tickets and uh, loyalty cards, lo- and affinity cards, and yeah. boarding passes. And that's an interesting thing. And I think, it, given the the. Depending on how good they do a job of integrating with all these other companies, like right. the airlines, for example, right. that is extremely powerful, both in terms of having that available for the consumer stuff. And you got to think that, like, from a data perspective, that there might be some interesting stuff to glean from that. I, I, have, I have to tell you, uh, and this might uh, uh, confirm the image of me as, as just a, a Luddite, but I, I have always had a problem with the, I, I've tested a few apps that are, are like the, the daily deal apps and you, you walk up to the cash register and wave your phone at someone <laughs> and I feel like like they're looking at me like I'm trying to pay with arcade tokens <laughs> is how I feel so I, I don't know how the passcode or pa, passcode passbook passbook. passbook is going to There's an um, antiquated piece of going to work well I use the Starbucks app mm-hmm. to, instead of a physical Starbucks card sure. and that actually has, gen, generally works really well and and um, I've seen people use the phone for their boarding pass but yeah I've, I've never done it but i've seen people use it i tried it i tried it once and i it succeeded but it's still people are still adapting still to weird, this right because right? you feel like it's but fake but they're, and some, they're, they're getting there though some people some some uh, airports are doing it much more um and i've done it i did it in europe once that, that there, there was just a scanner they don't even have people you just literally just scan your board and pass and walk on and i used my phone and it was it was fine but what i wanted to say is uh, there's a hint here. Oh, also the location features that if I walk into the Starbucks, it knows I'm in a Starbucks and it'll actually put up the yeah. thing saying, would you like to use your Starbucks card on the lock screen? You just swipe and you're there and you just say, here, uh, let me 
scan this and let me pay. That's very cool. But the, but the you could, flag planting, you can see where this is going. Yeah, yeah. this leads to an interesting place of that, is this Apple's kind of wallet strategy? Right. And if they mm-hmm. had a, a near-field communications-based you know, chip in a future iPhone, you know, would it would it integrate with Passbook to the point where you could pay for things by just doing a, a touch? This This is a... This is not Apple doing a Google-like thing and announcing, we are going to do a wallet, and it's going to do all these. It's sort of well, like just a it, little beachhead. It's a smarter way of doing it, too, because that func- that that uh, workflow is already there, right? Everyone, right. you have a card that you go up and you scan or you swipe or something. The NFC stuff requires hardware infrastructure and build-out right. in a way yes. that is not caught on, which is why no one but these barcodes, is paying right. with Google Wallet. These barcodes work great. The barcodes have been around for a long time. And, and speaking particularly of a, of a one short anecdote, I tried to print out a boarding pass recently on JetBlue, and there was a bug in which if, when you printed it to a PDF or printed it out to paper, it just did not print the barcode. <laughs> they printed the rest of the boarding pass and not the barcode. Mm. Apparently a Mac-specific bug. Nice. Thanks, guys. So if they actually made a deal with Apple, then maybe their uh, boarding pass system would work a little better. Well, hope maybe maybe it will make me feel better about using it and not well, like... When, when well, everybody everybody I'm a guy who still can't use it. Sacagawea dollars without feeling like I'm trying to pull a scam. Oh, good. They accepted the, the legal, the legal tender, yeah. yeah. Ooh, Monopoly, I really got away with something Monopoly there. Money. Yeah, well, I mean, I think the, the uptake... You know how quickly the, the fact vendors, that it's built in too, right? right? Like, I mean, I mean, it, this is dependent on vendors actually yeah. actually taking part of this and saying, okay, we want to integrate with this because, as far as we can see, there's no way to manually add something, which I think has always been a, a, a drawback of the iOS. And that if I'm on a web page, I just bought something, I've got a receipt with a barcode, I can't save it, right? Right. I would love to be able to use the print feature to print to save that PDF and then you know and then view it later, but. This it sounds like it's going to depend on vendors saying, "Okay, we want to be part of pass of Passbook," um, but this is why at the beginning of every keynote they say there are now 365 million oh. iOS devices out there because it's their oh, way yeah. of and, reminding and 400 people. million people with credit cards right. or it's whatever. It's their way of reminding so. people you want to be part of iOS's features. Right. So it'll be an interesting. It's an interesting one to watch. Something we can look forward to in the fall is the time period yes. that Apple's given us for iOS six. Which you might think coincides interestingly with around a one year since the last right. iPhone was yes. announced. Mm. That seems to be the mm. trick. Here. Interesting. Was anyone else surprised that they said this was going to work on a three GS? I yeah, was kind of shocked, but, but not the original yeah. iPad. But not the original iPad. Or which I, any iPod Touch well, prior to the, fourth generation. The, which I can it see, It works on actually. products that are being currently well, sold. And there's no yeah. right. There's the no iPad 2 is still being iPad. sold. Right. Yeah. And the, the iPhone 3GS is still, 3GS is still being sold. Or, or given away. And I, I've been testing, <laughs> I, I've been we'll testing a lot of iPad apps lately that really do not work well on the original iPad. Yeah, it's true. And that is a, true. That is a uh, device that is... Uh, it's getting a little long in the tooth. Yeah. Yeah. So that's... It's two years old. And that's a lifetime in technology. It really is. That really, we've boiled it all down, I think. <laughs> Into only 50 minutes. Yes. A short 50 minutes. A very short 50 minutes. Uh, uh, one last question before um, we let everyone go about with their lives. Um, looking at my Twitter feed, I just really uh, need to rename my Twitter feed during these Apple events the Wow, My Diamond Shoes Are Pinching Me feed. Because... <laughs> Because it, between the people complaining about what doesn't get announced or ho-humming what does get announced, you really get this sort of uh, uh, skewed perspective, I think, of the Apple event. So I, I just wanted to, again, go around the table. We'll do it in reverse order this time. 
and and just an overall assessment of what Apple talked about today. Were you did you come away impressed? Uh, do you did was there something that Apple left out, or or did they pretty much hit all the the notes they needed to? Dan Morin, I was I was pretty impressed mainly with the iOS stuff because we hadn't really seen any of that before, and so that was nice to see. What I what struck me overall watching this is the people who complain a lot about. How, oh no, iOS and OS X are turning into the exact same, th- you know, they're going to merge them, whatever. And I think what we saw today was not so much that they're interested in merging them, but they are interested in bringing a sort of parity to them. Because a lot of the features that they rolled out appear on both iOS and OS X. And iOS and OS X are being mentioned in the same breath a lot of time. And that, to me, says we understand these products have different uh, different spaces to live in, but we are really, really focused on bringing uh, the same experience to them. And to me, that that bodes well for both of those platforms because they it really is about saying we know we have two platforms, but we see them as both different, just different facets of how you are living your life technologically. And as such, I was really you know glad to see some of these these developments coming out, and I felt for the most part pretty pretty positive about them. Well, they said twice today on, on different occasions. They said we want to make it easy as possible to use both. And so, I think I agree with you. I think it's not that they want to make them the same, but they want to make it easier to move from one to the other, so that people, you know, they don't feel this shift, huge shift in how they use their devices when they go from their Mac to their iOS device. Dan, since you jumped the line, why don't you? Uh, oh, I was just trying question. to, to no, affirm no, no, Dan. No, there. no, no, no. Thanks. Um, I'll take it. I, I was I was a little surprised that we didn't hear anything about the Apple TV because there's been so many r- rumors. But I wasn't surprised. Not the right audience, my man. Right? No, no, I agree. Um, but I, I think that it was. Um, I was pleasantly surprised by the OS stuff on both Mountain Line and iOS six. Um, I was just telling Dan before this that uh, I was really excited after hearing about the iOS six stuff more so I think than I was when they previewed iOS five last year because there's just a lot of things that just. I'll be using every day. Improvements. Improvements. Yeah, that it, actually means something. Right. I look at yeah. that and say, wow, my phone's going to be that much cooler after, you know, and it's going to be that much more usable. Um, and um, I was, uh, I think the hardware stuff, it's good updates, but I think the focus here is really software. Obviously, it's WWE. Fitting, fitting, it's fitting for developers' conference. Right. Developers right. conference. Right. Jason, wrap things up for us. Big thoughts. Big thoughts. You know, uh, Apple's got two operating systems, and they do need to update them. Now they're doing it every year. They're kind of doing it in tandem by bringing up Mountain Lion. They're saying we're on this annual schedule for all of our operating systems now. Um, we saw we, – we had this back-to-the-Mac approach that, that was happening, and with some of the stuff we saw today, it was simultaneous, right? Like the Facebook editions are happening on both, and – you know, I think that's interesting that they're trying to get the operating system technologies synced up now so that when they roll out their new Mac OS X and they roll out their new iOS, they've got a lot of the same stuff in it, not just sort of one this year and one next year catching up, which is good. Yeah. So, I, you know, that this was their, as is only right for the developer conference, this is their big operating system update with what's new in that. And, I, and so I think that's super important to what Apple does. And then on the laptop side, we got a glimpse of the future of the MacBook Pro line, that this new MacBook Pro will eventually be, as we already got the hint from the MacBook Air line, this is Apple's vision of where this stuff is going, which is not just SSD, no optical drive, um, you know, Thunderbolt, 
and uh, now USB three, but it's also Retina displays on desktop or on you know laptops, not just on uh, tablets and smartphones. So we've we've you know it, Apple's not being kind of coy about this. It's pretty clear this is where they think the computer market is going. So that was good to see. That's a big step for them to talk about the Retina display on on Macs. I think we we mentioned PowerNap earlier, but to go along with what Jason said, I think it's also an example of them saying this is where it's going, and it's inspired by the iOS experience where, like you said earlier, Dan, everything's just synced and taken care of and backed up in the background and you don't have to worry about your hardware. And that's really what PowerNap is going to be doing, I think, with all their computers at some point. It's computing as an appliance, I think, to a large extent. That's what they're saying. You don't have to wait for your, you know, refrigerator to boot up or your... Or your toaster fridge. Or your refrigerator toaster. Right. Yeah. um, And it's just, you know, your devices are going to work when you turn them on. And, you know, then you put them away and they do all their business when they're away. And then you have them access again. And and you're removing this sort of shock of you're using your iPad and your iPhone all the time. And you get back to your computer and you're like, oh, but this thing, I got to manage it. This thing is, you know, it's a computer. I got to deal with the backups and stuff. And they were got to change the oil on my computer regularly. They're, They're trying to get away from that and make everything as seamless as using an iOS device. I think we've just about talked this one out. And at an hour. Well, then I better thank uh, Jason Snell. Thank you. Dan Frakes. Thank you. Dan Morin. Thanks, Phil. And thank you, listeners, for joining us. Uh, We hope uh, you keep coming back to Macworld.com for all of our WWDC coverage. Thanks very much.